This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Wishing everybody listening to this a glorious new month. A new month always means a new monthly medicine episode of Tarot for the Wild Soul, and that is what we are going to be diving into today, exploring all about the flow and the frequency and the invitation of the month of November. Um, Thank you for being here. It's such an honor, as always, to gather in this space with all of you, especially on today, which is a very powerful day on the spiral of the year. And uh, however you choose, if you choose to celebrate, acknowledge, or honor this day. I'm wishing a very happy Samhain, Halloween, Day of the Dead, or Beltane to those of you who are on the other side of the globe. Um, Whatever today means to you, know that um, the veil is extremely thin. The other world is very close. And literally, as we gather to listen to this monthly medicine today, I mean your guides, your well ancestors, all those, and all that holds you in wisdom, all that's trying to connect and communicate with you, that's bringing wisdom and clarity and insight for helpfulness, for evolution, is perhaps closer to you than you could ever imagine. It's such a powerful day. And, um, It's also Mercury retrograde. Mercury stations retrograde in Scorpio today um, and remains there until November 20th. So um, tremendous power in November, um, the phrase of which is the underwater cave. So we're going to be really diving into that. And first, I want to spend a little time talking about, I'm going to refer to it as Samhain because I don't observe Day of the Dead. That's not a part of my heritage or lineage, but if you'd like to know more about that, I would recommend checking it out. And if it's a part of your heritage, like, and if you don't observe Samhain, then that's okay. You can skip over this part. (laughs) It's for everyone, but also if you don't want it, that's fine. Um, Where we are on Samhain is also Beltane. So when we look at one, um, we look at the wheel of the year as the spiral of the year. We're really looking at things um, from a holographic standpoint. And anytime we consider one observation on the wheel of the year, we can consider the other two. And that's why we include Beltane as well. Because um, Beltane and Samhain are cross-quarter holidays, which means they come between a solstice and an equinox. So you probably know this already, but Samhain is the midway point between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. And I feel like we just talked about um, the fall equinox. It's pretty shocking that it's so close uh, to this. Um, It seems like two seconds away. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's... uh, a very powerful time. And essentially what we're doing on Samhain is not just observing, um, kind of the fact that the veil, which we call the kind of invisible barrier between us and the other side, that the veil is so thin that it's really been a time almost immemorial in, um, Scotland, Ireland, and in pagan Britain and beyond, um, Samhain specifically, to really honor the recognition and the remembering and the connecting with our ancestors, but also many festivals to honor uh, the turning really um, in the harvest season this is really considered to be traditionally the beginning of winter and what was referred to as a turn toward the darker half of this harvest time, which is a pretty standard understanding of Samhain, but it's not just a looking, it's not just a look within, but it's also a look out where we see that the here for us on the 
northern side of the hemisphere, the weather is really turning. Um, the light is about to change. We're about to move through daylight savings time in America. Um, and in the northern part of the hemisphere, it will be uh, well, everywhere. <laughs> it will be a lot darker, a lot earlier. We're spending more time in the dark. And um, the dark is an incredibly rich, delicious place. It's really a place where we can actually begin to understand the more subtle um, feelings. The more um, we spend more time dreaming, we spend more time um, quiet, we spend more time resting. There's a helpful energy in um, nature and in light and in all things um, around us really seasonal that is really supporting us in um, being more internal. And um, when we look at this halfway point, we're essentially honoring um, the coming of the death time on the wheel of the year. And on Samhain, we bow over completely, essentially to death and acknowledge that we are fully in this time. We look to for wisdom and for medicine and for connection, those who've gone before us. We look to all of the energetic things in our life that are dying and falling away, and we allow ourselves to ritualize them. We can allow ourselves today to really say, I see you. I see this thing in my life that's ready to go. I see these parts of me that have died since last Samhain or even since um, the fall equinox. I know for me, I'm constantly moving through huge death cycles. Um, it's just the way it is, but, um, I can, I can feel even from a couple months ago, I truly feel like a different person, you know, cause there's been so much clearing. Um, and you know, what I'm describing is shared in much more specificity and beauty in those who observe Day of the Dead and in those who observe their own sex. There are Welsh festivals that, you know, Cornish festivals that honor the dead that are so beautiful. And because I'm not a scholar in that area, I'm not going to speak about something I don't know, um, nor have I, you know, been intimate with it. But um, it's such a beautiful time wherever your heart is drawn to begin to, because the month of November really begins here. That's why since starting Tower for the Wild Soul, I've always done an episode on Samhain. Um, not only because I think it really begins November, also because Samhain and Day of the Dead um, extend into the first and the second of the month, but also because we want to make sure that we're acknowledging the idea that this month starts on the whisper of what's about to die. And I think that's very important because in one month we're moving through the death card, through the clearing process, through, um, you know, death is so beautiful, the death card and the, and the energy of Scorpio, because it's like a leaf falling off a tree. You don't actually have to do anything to allow what's ready to go to go. The wind helps you. You don't have to conjure the wind. Um, you don't have to do anything to allow that sense of transformative release to come. And in a way, that's true for us during this time of the year, if we look at it from a perspective of tarot, because even though the hangman is ruled by Neptune, if the hangman comes before death, we understand that all of the work of dying really actually happens in hanged man. So once we actually get into Scorpio, we're just clearing it. It's, it's being cleared from us. There's very little that we have to do. The work is, is done. And then in Sagittarius moving into, um, you know, so in Scorpio, we're in the death card, we're in judgment. In many ways, we're in the tower. If we consider Mars to be part of the ruling of Scorpio, which it is in the esoteric sense of astrology. And if we look at Sagittarius, we're moving from all of that organic clearing away to temperance, rebirth, reconnection with spirit of, of creation. And, and in some ways, similarly, there's nothing we have to, quote, do. But there's a lot more active 
ness in Sagittarius and in um, temperance and by virtue of that in Wheel of Fortune because it's ruled by Jupiter, which is Sagittarius's ruling planet, than there is in Scorpio season. So we've already got that going for us and that's part of why Samhain or Beltane really initiates this part of the wheel. Um, and we can think of, I've definitely said this before and I'm not the first person to say it for sure. I think it's a pretty universal image in the mind, but, um, Beltane and Samhain, Beltane is like the, the bonfire that burns in the middle of spring and summer on the other side of the, um, of the hemisphere, you know, we just this absolutely rich celebration of sexuality, of birth, of blooming, of life, of color, of scent, of, of gorgeousness, the maypole, like that's Beltane and Samhain, it shares that with it. And Samhain is like a candle. So whether we're experiencing one or the other, we're holding the energy of fire, whether or not we are in Scorpio or whether or not we are, well, everybody's in Scorpio right now, but whether or not we are in the fall and experiencing autumn and the cooling and the darkening of days, or whether or not we're in the illumination time on where we happen to live. And I think that's really important because if we're going to look at things spiralically and inclusively, we have to begin to, if, if we even follow the wheel of the year, we can look at things from a perspective where we're holding both, where we're actually entering this time of death and of clearing and of less actual daytime and entering a night and the other side of the earth is entering their daytime. So it's just really powerful to get to hold both. And this is really where November begins itself. And um, there is also something really extraordinary about um, this time on the wheel of the year, especially given the fact that we're entering it in this energy of Samhain, um, specifically that this particular year we're doing so at the same time as Mercury stationing retrograde in Scorpio. And it's always really powerful to look at like what else is going on around Samhain. Um, Samhain and Beltane are very important also because, and obviously not everybody listening to this is of, um, Gaelic or Gallic or Celtic descent, but I am. And so I'm speaking about what is true for me and what I know, my heritage. Um, and, you know, there is a sect of belief um, where Beltane and Samhain were actually the two seasons of the year. Um, and this is pretty well documented that Beltane was said to be the beginning of summer and Samhain was said to be the beginning of winter and winter was treated, winter started today and went until Beltane. And there were really only two seasons that were sort of, uh, celebrated. And, um, but there are some sects that really believe that. And there's always been something in me, um, Beltane, the, the Beltane Samhain, um, connection is one that's quite powerful, very, very strong doorway. So however you experience, see it, feel it, if you feel it at all, I'm just wishing you a lot of blessings. And yeah, always really lovely to see what else is coming up around this time. And um, Mercury stationing retrograde in Scorpio is very, very strong. So we're going to have a whole episode on Mercury Retrograde on the podcast next week. And I'm going to go into a ton more about it on my newsletter um, that goes out later today if we're looking at the 31st. But if you missed the newsletter, we're going to talk about Mercury Retrograde um, uh, next week on the podcast. Just didn't even finish that sentence. <laughs> um, this is very, very powerful and important because... Um, all of what I've said, you know, is, is kind of, a, a weaving together of the ingredients of the month, but we're basically in a retrograde for the entirety of Scorpio season in November. And there's something in the sign that the sun is in, in Scorpio. 
And there really is something to be said for that. And it's setting us up not to have a shitty, crazy month, but to have an extraordinarily rich, internally directed month. Um, However you experience your month of November from a personal standpoint, what we're talking about on this podcast can never be a predictor of how you'll feel, but it can be a very strong, clear lighthouse in the form of an invitation that can really provide context and clarity on what we're being invited to consider, explore, experience, process, examine, what have you. So anytime we move into a Mercury retrograde, we're getting the opportunity to finally, finally understand and release something that is standing in the way of our full extended expansion. That's it. Mercury retrograde is the magician reversed. The magician reversed is not any of the things that our brains might initially say that it is. It's not evil. It's not wicked magic. It's not being wrong. It's none of that shit. That's all ego. Um, It's really the channel for one reason or another that flows through the magician is not as clear. It doesn't mean it's blocked and it doesn't mean that it needs tuning. It means that the magician needs to take a rest. It means that magic is not capitalism, that it is not meant to flow and churn out steadily, easily, all the time on a on clockwork. It just isn't. So when magician is reversed, it's a beautiful opportunity for us to examine. Okay, you know, um, something wants to come through and it may not be the exact right time. So while the time is aligning itself, where am I being called to place my attention? Another example might be that the place isn't quite the right time. We might be in a space where we're getting all these downloads, but we've got other stuff in life to tend to, and we can write all those ideas down, pulling them down and out of us and making sure we remember them. And then we can tend to our life stuff. And then in a month, or maybe even you, you may work beautifully in the midst of a Mercury retrograde that, you know, doesn't mean anything. It could also mean the inverse. It could also mean that for you, a Mercury retrograde is about the clearing of the distractions so that all this work can come through. I am somebody who was born in a Mercury retrograde and I usually create excellent work and I'm very busy and very clear mentally in Mercury retrogrades, not always, but often often enough to say that it, it's absolutely a possibility and you don't need to be born in one to potentially experience that. Um, Mercury retrograde in Scorpio is like putting the magician next to death and looking at the kind of braiding that those two are bringing. So um, as we travel into the idea of the underwater cave this month, what we're really looking at is you know, where are we exploring the depths of our being? Are we creating something in this retrograde? Are we putting our kind of, you know, certain expectation? Are we finding that? Because so much of Scorpio is a, is a letting happen, a letting be. So we may find very organically that our life may have been very full, very busy, and now it's really slower and less full. Or we may find that we were totally overwhelmed and completely overblown, you know, the last month or two. And all of a sudden, like all this work is sort of lightning or there's just a sense of lightness. Um, We may also find that we had a million things to do that were getting in the way of our creative processes. And now they're not here anymore. Um, We may also find that the opposite is true where all of a sudden we're very, very full and we're not resting. (laughs) But um, no matter what, this, what comes through in a Mercury retrograde in Scorpio is never going to steer you wrong. It's never going to be a detour wrong. 
um, path to take. Anything that comes forward, we want to always pause, tune in, ask if it's in our highest and best. But if we really get a yes to it, um, it could be that this retrograde is actually clearing out the noise so that you can focus very, very deeply and in a true Scorpio fixed fashion um, on what wants to be paid attention to with your projects. So it's a really nice way um, to look at this idea. And next week we'll go into probably a little bit more about uh, retrogrades in general and how we can sort of look at them. Um, so I mentioned this before that November, the phrase for the month that came is the underwater cave. Um, as I'm recording this, I'm in the dark. It feels right. <laughs> it feels very, very right. Um, I was surprised by the um, title of today's episode. It's a little bit more esoteric than what normally comes through. My guides are pretty practical, pretty earthy folks, um, earthy beings. But um, the more I really connected with this phrase, the clearer it became that it was really important to evoke an idea. So I want to first start by saying what this month isn't. This month is not a descent into the blackness, the darkness of a cave where there's, um, and again, blackness and darkness are absolutely beautiful parts of the spectrum of existence and really um, not even that great of a describer because there's a blend of everything. But this is not an underworld journey. This is not a journey into, um, and again, darkness is not synonymous with shadow, discomfort, pain. I think we need to evolve beyond that because there's a lot of power in the underworld. But it's not about that. It's not about pain. It's not about discomfort. It's not about like like excruciating, crunching evolutionary journeys. It's not that timber, that tone. Caves are places within ourselves. They are arteries, passageways in the heart of our being. They are pockets where something is opened in us and where we can and have a right to explore what's in there. And there are not nightmares in there. There are treasures in there. There are creatures and bioluminescent lights and um, pure, beautiful water and stillness and darkness and depth and beauty and isolation and space and quiet and um, tight squeezes and vast open spaces all within you. And when do we really have any time to explore any of that? You know, even to say it is so funny because it's not like we can try to explore those things. It's that we're handed a span of time in which there may not be as much on our plate. There might also be a lot on our plate. Who knows? But where Whatever we move through, whatever our month looks like for us individually, it holds a very strong invitation into the realm of the underwater caves within you. And I mean it very uh, specifically that underwater, we're talking about water, we're talking about blood, we're talking about tears and depth of feeling. And none of that has to be in any way, a problem. It doesn't even need to be work. It's just the rhythm of being an alive person. We're just getting closer to what's within us so that we can become more familiar, more integrated, more intimate, more um, connected and friendly with the realm of our hearts, with what is actually happening inside of us rather than not. So um, the Collective reading of the year will provide a little bit more tools, you know, specific to how we can work with this idea, but we're diving into the cave of our hearts this month. Now, what does that mean? Because again, that's pretty esoteric, but 
You know, as I said before, <clears throat> caves are these passageways in the heart of the earth. And because we are of earth and we are of this earthly home of ours, we too have all of these caves, all of these passageways in our being. We have caves in our soul, these places within us that have traveled through all kinds of different lifetimes and all kinds of different experiences. We have many caves in the body where, <coughs> pardon me, we'll be going through something and all of a sudden we'll take a breath and, you know, remember something. And all of a sudden we're in a new cave of remembering. And it's again, not, um, you know, it's not again to repeat this, but not a drop into someplace scary, but a memory, a remembering, a returning, a reclaiming. Um, and, you know, we have these caves and these passageways in the body. We have them in the heart. We have them for sure in the mind. Um, and these caves are where we come from. They're where we keep our treasures. They're where when we were too traumatized, too angry, too hurt, too scared, when we couldn't get what we needed from our parents, we took these treasures that were within us and stored them in these caves. These caves remember us. They're like going back down into the belly of the original mother. And the mother, the parent, is us. We're actually connecting back into ourselves in a way that is reminiscent of the womb or of the holding space for a baby. And we can hold ourselves in much the same way, reclaiming what we may have not even remembered we left there. So very, very powerful stuff. And every so often we receive an invitation to do a little soul spelunking <laughs> to kind of, uh, strap on our harness and dive in and, and explore, you know, why do we feel the way we feel about something? Why is something coming up in the way that it is? And it can be completely safe. It can coincide with your day to day. It can, and you don't need to do it. It's going to be an invitation that's going to come for you. And you may not even realize it's happening because again, it's not, um, not a scary thing. It's just a beautiful thing. It's a returning to the depth of us. And um, Pluto's ruling planet, or sorry, Scorpio's ruling planet is Pluto. Pluto's card is judgment. It goes as deep as it can go. So there can be an awakening, a merging of soul and body, of human and infinite. And that really is what we do when we go into the cave of ourselves. Um, and everything about the month of November supports an incredibly deep inward journey. And we get to experience the potential of this underworld journey in November, sorry, this cave journey in November um, to these underwater caves within us. Um, we get the opportunity to actually practice play imagine. <laughs> um, you know, what did you do when you were waddling away all the time that you had when you were a child? You definitely weren't filling it with scrolling on Instagram and trying to figure out the next thing to do. And we're all very busy people, but um, there is a kind of a pushing away of space because we don't want to feel the void of and the discomfort of not, quote, having anything to do. Um, and for many of us, again, our lives are not even really set up to offer us that time. If we live in a city, it's a little bit harder to feel into, like, when are my times, when are not my times. So, um, again, it's not anything that the brain, the brain needn't come into this journey. Um, if the brain's like, hmm, how can I dive into the underwater cave? It's like, go back and reverse. Because <laughs> um, it, it'll just be. It's a powerful thing to get to just have a gentle and curious um, eye and ear on it. You know, wh where am I being drawn right now into that place? Um, I just started 
with my therapist, with my trauma therapist, EMDR on a target that is like um, really for the first time I'm finally ready at 35 to do some EMDR reprocessing on my family life, on my abuse. Um, and I actually have my first EMDR um, session about that. I've done it on other things, but have never been able, not been ready yet to actually go into that. And I always assumed that with this, it would be very heavy and intense and frightening and scary. And I'm not saying that it isn't for some, um, because my other experiences have been, um, but it was different from what I expected, extremely in intense and cathartic and um, but also a lot like a journey, a lot like an energetic ceremonial journey where I could travel back and fully have the permission to feel in safety what um, I was not permissioned to feel at 15, 16, and younger. Um, but that is when I reflect on, you know, what underwater caves am I being drawn to? That's part of mine. And um, it's a huge point of pride for me. And I'm not telling anyone that you should do EMDR, whatever. I'm just sharing about my life and you can take or leave that in whatever way you want. But um, it has been very powerful for me to draw into that. And there are also other things like, um, reading a ton of Stephen King right now. <laughs> and like, for me, that's, you know, like I like being in that realm, you know, I really enjoy fiction and I'm always looking for that. And that's one of my underwater caves too. I have a huge imagination and love to read and very often don't get to do that. So for me, just even on like one day out from November, those are two of the places that I'm really seeing a sense of this caving happening, these caves of the heart that are not seeping into my day to day. You know, I'm reading in my day to day, but you know what I mean? So you may find for yourself, like maybe you're doing a lot more breath work. Maybe you are diving deeper into your tarot decks. Maybe you are cleaning out a closet and going through your photos and feeling all this grief bubble up. And maybe you are getting back into piano playing. Like it, We don't need it to be so um, laborious. It, it's it's actually not going to be such a hugely laborious month. We'll feel the feelings. It is Scorpio season after all. The world is as the world is. But the invitation for the collective is to no longer fear these caves within us, to no longer be afraid, to um, know that when we're invited into them, that there's nothing within us that's, that is us not a memory, not something that someone else did. But when we travel into those caves, we're traveling back into ourselves and truly nestling up much like a little squirrel burrows under the ground in the freeze of winter. We're burrowing back into ourselves to receive nourishment and support. And there's a lot of beauty that can come from that. So, um, we get to dive deeper than we ever have before into the heart of what we're ready to reclaim and witness. And that's true Pluto Scorpio goodness right there. <laughs> um, and again, I want to be really inclusive with my languaging. You know, this isn't to say that for some, this month won't feel really hard, but we can hold the invitation. We never are you know, there's so much collective scarring and trauma of the wounds of what my teacher calls spirituality 101. That's like we manifest all of the things that we get, including the bad things. And, you know, everyone is, you know, it's harder to show up for people who are moving through a really hard time. And there's a lot of bypassing and gaslighting in spirituality. And so it's never to say that if November winds up being a truly challenging journey for you, that um, I am in any way saying that, uh, oh, don't worry about it, it won't be a hard time. <clears throat> Not at all. 
um, again, I'm not speaking for the individual here. I'm speaking for the collective. Um, we never, ever in our evolution of spiritual connectedness and our recognition that we live in a spiral universe, which means that no one knows what's going to happen in that space, we can let there be a holding of both. We can let there be, and by the way, it may seem on the onset like it's a bypass. It's actually one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves. We can hold for ourselves the shittiness, potentially, of what we're going through, the, you know, the heartbreak, the unfairness, and we can hold that there is an invitation to be gentle, to explore, to recognize that this may be where our underwater cave is taking us and that it's okay that we can actually find refuge in ourselves in the midst of this, or we may need another person to accompany us in this. So as always, it's really just about finding what works for us and, um, allowing whatever part of the monthly medicine resonates with you to come with you and leaving behind what doesn't. And on that note, we're going to dive into the collective tarot reading for the month of November. So our card of the month is five of swords. Um, five always has to do with a kind of a squeezing right before a dilation of some kind. So it's when we have the opportunity to get very, very clear on how we work through contraction. This doesn't mean that we're going to feel contracted in November. Contraction happens every day. <laughs> it happens all the time. And if we are really fighting the retrograde, we may experience a little bit more kick up, a little bit more dust in our face. Um, but everybody goes through contraction. You, know, you may be in contraction right now. I'm in contraction. Nothing's wrong. It's I hate being in a hangman year. You know, everybody, it's, it's like everybody is going through their own version of discomfort and of challenge and of evolution. And it's okay. You know, it's okay, even if it's not okay. It's just about permissioning. Um, but we want to go a little bit deeper because we're not really looking at the contractions of the five. What we're really looking at is that November is a month to get very recentered. It is a month in which we can go very deep into ourselves to recenter. Part of 2019 has been that we've all been getting really called uh, to get very clear to notice what works as a part of our day to day and what does not work. And thus far, we've probably gotten some very clear signals about what does and doesn't work for me. Um, again, this has been a huge, I mean, where I started in January with how, um, what I was eating and what worked for me for eating and drinking and whatever, it's a whole new ball game. And I'm not talking about the, uh, concept of like getting healthier, not at all, but, um, because that's not really how I live my life. And, um, but, um, getting clear on wow, some things inflame me and I cannot believe that they do. And then the process of clearing it out and grieving, not being able to eat. And again, this is all spoken with the enormous privilege of being a white person in the most expensive city in the world. Some people can't afford anything. So let's be real. Um, but where you are is where you are. And that's where I was. Um, and really not being able to, have caffeine in the same way that I was. And, um, my body is getting more sensitive and, uh, I am being, I hate to use the word rewarded, but the, um, other thing, the thing on the other side of the seesaw of, um, my body expressing to me that it is no longer available to eat certain things or it wants more of something and it doesn't want as much stuff like caffeine, whatever, um, for me has wound up clearing out a lot of, um, anxiety, a lot of, uh, you know, and again, every body is different. Oh, I've always been a huge fan of caffeine. So this is quite new for me, but, um, recentering means that, we land where we land and we go, okay, 
you know, I could pitch a fit, a tantrum, and sometimes the tantrum's a big part of this. Um, and I can honor that while recentering specifically without a story about how it's wrong or bad or should be different. And we get to practice this idea. Um, so when you are drawn into the underwater cave, you may be tempted to say, I don't feel like this should be happening. I think I should feel this way. I should feel that way. I should be able to, you know, whatever it might be. And it could have nothing to do with any of that at all. But anytime we have five of swords as our card of the month, that's a very strong position for an energy like that to take. And it essentially means that we get to practice through the whole month living our lives without attaching to story. That's a very strong mindfulness practice that has roots in meditation and in, you know, many other schools of thought. Um, your story is a big part of what we can bow to and, and acknowledge and witness and scoop up and take care of, but it's not the truth, end all be all of everything. It's a story. And what we may think is wrong or bad or a problem may be wrong or bad or a problem. It may also be a projection from the mind that invites us into all kinds of distractions and bullshit in order to keep us out of the realm of what feels a little uncomfortable. So November is a very, very, very expansive month. It is an opportunity for us to rest to be clear, to receive transmission. And for any of you listening, do you really think that the brain is going to be super cool <laughs> with that? I guarantee you it's not. So Five of Swords is also about sometimes being invited into little decisions here and there that don't actually serve. Um, and the biggest gift we can give ourselves is by being like, okay, you know, I'll make amends if I have to. I will uh, recenter. I will do what I have to do. I'm just not going to take the bait into that. I'm a horrible person that deserves to be punished and I should be so guilty because all that's a lie. And it actually prevents us from really showing up in amends. So, um, we get to practice living without story. It doesn't mean that the whole month is going to be this contractive nightmare, not even close. Um, in fact, I keep getting from my guides to repeat that. Um, but, uh, it's really about the power, the transformation, the clearing that happens when we recenter, when we begin to trust that some things that we lose are not us being punished or not us doing anything wrong, but it's actually a clearing that's meant to happen. This is a huge part of death card Scorpio energy. In this energy, we lose leaves off the tree. Again, it doesn't mean that you're going to lose anything you love. You're already going through that. All of us are. Look at the planet. All of us are living with the grief of climate change. All of us are living with the grief of what's going on in other countries. There are immense energies of things happening and us feeling like we have absolutely no control and wanting control and trying to determine what we can do to be with those things. And that's a huge reflection back into ourselves. We're all living in these bodies that are eventually going to die. This is the kind of energy that comes up in Samhain. These conversations like, are you living your life? Are you really here? Or are you telling yourself all these stories about how you can't or it's not fair or whatever? And I'm not saying that you can't have your story, but it's about a this and. It's about really stepping into the fact that we are really evolving collectively. And um, we get to, you know, again, I'll use this word, like deeply practice what it is to step into this realm and feel the losses, feel the feelings and not get swept away by them. And what happens, what is happening under that energy, um, under the energy of five of swords is the lovers and three of wands Two wanted to come up here. So what does that mean? That means that instead of blaming the world and instead of blaming other people and instead of lashing out, which can absolutely be something that 
can come up for some of us in a Mercury retrograde in Scorpio, we turn the mirror on ourselves and we don't swallow or bypass our feelings, but we can say, can I be with the feelings that are coming up here? If I feel angry and like I've been done an injustice before stepping up into a conversation, can I not bypass in myself the need to feel the squeeze, the pain, the anguish, the unfairness, the anger, the heat, the tears. Can I be with me? And in many ways, um, that is a big part of lovers, actually. Um, And it is also a really big part of what is allowing us to truly transform in this season, which is we're taking responsibility for ourselves. It's a big part of it. Another um, really big collective invitation right now is that with lovers and three of wands uh, showing up as they are here as the bedrock that's existing underneath five of swords, it's allowing the external to catch up with the internal. And it's allowing all of this internal work that all of us have done over this year. This has been what Hangman's been all about. It's been about clearing and processing and completing things. So we're not stepping forward into our next year with any of the stuff that we're not meant to hold any longer. Um, But it's allowing the internal to catch up with, or allowing the external to catch up with the internal um, because November is a very strong middle space. Very strong. Three of wands is a strong middle space. It's a space that we cut in between us being a master in one area and a total novice in the other. And, and understanding that we're standing on the precipice of something really new, but we're not ready to leave the thing that we're in and we're not ready to step into the thing that we're preparing to. And lovers is so beautiful because it allows us to really turn the external mirrors we have back to ourselves um, in beautiful ways and in other ways, just to really transform our idea that there's an other at all. So there's a lot of energy here. We get to clear our idea of story. We get to say no thank you to the brain again and again and again. We get to choose the underwater cave in favor of the mental story, in favor of the distraction. And what greets us inside that cave is the mirror of the lovers, the mirror that says, if there's something that you desire and something you think is beautiful, it is feeling that you are beautiful too. If there's something you are longing for, there's a part of that longing that wants you too. And how can you connect with yourself so that those two things can come together? And it's not so, um, it's not like in an earthly way where we might see a car and be like, oh, that car is wanting you too. And maybe, but <laughs> it's not been my experience of the earthly, and that's a little bit too secret for me. Um, but it may be true about love. It might be true for you about feeling more abundant, feeling like you're allowed to be paid for what you excel at, that you are permissioned to be an expert in your field, that you're permissioned to maybe travel or to be free, that you're permissioned to enjoy your life in spite of XYZ that even if you have, and this is a big one for me, chronic pain, chronic illness, that you are allowed to enjoy and deeply feel your good days and that there could be more potentially for you in your life, Um, that it doesn't always have to be a spiral of pain and then no pain and pain and then no pain, Um, that there can be more space in between. So there's a lot of very deep internal work we're preparing essentially here for emperor year. And the more time we spend inward, the more time we can really begin to understand why it is that we have the cycles and the patterns that we do. What we are learning about the lesson of the month is queen of swords. I thought so, but had to figure that out. Um, so be exquisitely clear 
about your energy, your time, what you're available for. And that goes for your internal realm as well as the external. We forget that, you know, whenever we talk about boundaries, we always talk about, you know, external boundaries. You know, what boundaries do we have around our time, our energy with with the people in our life? And that is extremely valuable and important to have. And there is a tremendous importance placed on internal boundaries. You can say to your brain, if your brain brings forward something, some kind of invitation or if it's like, Hey, you know, you should look up the Instagram of that person who deeply triggers you. You can say, thanks so much for that. Mm, Not going to do it though. Thank you. And then if you do, that's where five of swords comes in. And if you get a little triggered, you just say, okay, well, I'm triggered. And eventually it will drain out in a few days and it will be okay. Or it won't. And you know, you'll work, work through what got uncovered there or whatever. Um, but with this, um, very important to be very protective of your energy this month. It's not to say that things are going to try to take your energy. Um, but where there's a big void, where there's an opportunity to go down in the underworld caves, the brain doesn't always love that. So it will, tempt us by saying, you know, Hey, pay attention to this thing. You have no control over. Hey, um, give all of your energy and your efforts and your time to this bull crap. And you can just, you know, really sit with it gently. And then if you find yourself saying, you know, no, actually, and it's not that I don't have the time, it's that I don't choose to offer the time to this. And the same thing goes, I say all the time to my brain, if it brings something forward for me, um, you know, if there's a little bit too much empty space happening in my life, or if things are really expanded or, you know, whatever it might be, I'm always saying to my brain, you know, thank you so much for bringing this forward. I'm, I, I see you and I see this and I acknowledge it and I hold it and I hold you and I'm not going to go on the ride with you. Um, but thank you. And sometimes when I'm doing projects, I sit down and pray and include my brain and say, brain, I'm not even going to be here for you today, but if you have stuff to bring to me, you can do it tomorrow. I'll have more time tomorrow. And it works. It works. So queen of swords, the ruler of the realm between the mental and the emotional, the slicing away of all that is false all that doesn't serve, all that we don't deserve, all of this stuff that we middle in and we have all of this time that we waste because we're too afraid or whatever. We're learning to embody this energy this month. So we're actually using Queen of Swords on the Five of Swords things in our lives. We're actually calling upon this archetype to be able to say no, no, or yes, because of the no. Um, and we can do this with ourselves just as much again, if not more than we may do with others. Be fiercely protective of your internal space. What do you, you know, what, if, if there's an opportunity to go very, very deep in the self, be very mindful of what the brain tries to invite you into in order to take you out of that cave. So just to know that it's important to look at that. What we're being invited to pay attention to this month. So we've just talked about, you know, five of swords, lovers, three of wands, queen of swords. That's kind of the big collective energies, right? We may not feel those on the day to day, but what we're being invited to pay attention to is how we can direct our focus. Anytime we kind of feel like we're off our game or just as a, day-to-day meditation for ourselves, we can always come back to this card or these cards. And the cards that came forward for the collective today as what we're being invited to pay attention to, Page of Cups and Six of Pentacles. Balance, equilibrium, receiving as much as we give, and deeply embodying and connecting with play. Totally different from the cards that just came before it, which lets you know 
how strong this month is. What we're being invited to pay attention to is quite literal. It's where we're being asked to actually put our attention and focus. We're not being asked to put our attention and focus on five of swords. Not at all. Five of swords is just happening. We're just clearing out that element of contraction that's been in us. We're not meant to carry that forward anymore. That bullshit about shame and guilt and like all of the mantles that we've been carrying for the ancestors before us, no more, no more. The earth needs us as unfettered from that as possible, actually. Um, So we're clearing that away. We're recognizing that we're in a period of cyclical mirroring, of looking at what we feel versus, you know, we're going to be called into that, but that's not anywhere. That's not where our attention is meant to go. Where our attention is meant to go is page of cups, is the root systems and foundations of our connections to joy, our connections to play. What are they for you? They may not seem so dynamic, your connections to play or joy. They may seem really mundane. They may seem like, you know, your work may be play, but there may be an element of your work that feels playful. Play might conjure up something for you that isn't actually what's coming through. It could be a much quieter practice. It could be a much more solitary practice. It could be a wildly joyful, raucous group practice um, or group activity or, you know, gathering together. Um, How do you create magic? How do you connect with your imagination? How do you connect with your inner space of play. That's where our attention is being called to. And that is all contained in these underwater caves. In the heart lies underneath all of the wounding, the sense of reconnection with the inner children that are down there waiting for us and can show us the way about what feels like play, you know? And Um, It doesn't need to be childish at all. It can just be an immensely connected sense to something that fills up our cup that we may not even understand why, but we're moving into that. The other thing is, is this was another one where two came up, is six of pentacles. Six of pentacles is extraordinary balance. If we have too much in the cup, we give away and we are filled from giving and the person receiving is filled from receiving. If we are receiving because our cup feels really low, we're receiving hopefully from somebody who has an extra full cup so that they're filled up by giving, we're filled up by receiving. There is an extraordinary... um, infinity loop style flow that happens in six of pentacles where, um, we get to determine every day, what are we available for? November is a very, very strong month in terms of energetic, um, maintenance. That's why we have queen of swords here as our, as our teacher, as our lesson, because, um, it's not a huge month for doing a million different things. It's usually, especially this month, Scorpio season is usually a time for doing a couple of things very, in a very dedicated, very focused way. Um, for you, you may be full and abundant and busy and that's fabulous, but you may also find that you have very little room for nonsense and very little room for, um, anything that is not, it's, it's really exquisitely important. And that is, um, where six of pentacles and queen of swords connect with each other and where, um, queen of swords maintaining the energetic doorway can really strongly inform how we rebalance, how we receive, how we give, and how we make sure that we're not um, over-receiving, not that really it's possible to, um, but to make sure that we're in a really gentle, really potent, even um, relationship with those two areas of ourselves. Pentacles is all about the earthly. So we're talking about how are you feeding yourself? How are you hydrating? How are you spending time with other people? How are your, um, you know, what is your budget like? And for some people that's really stressful to think about, but 
Um, you know, are there certain things you want to gently hold off on doing? Are there other things that are more important to like, is it investment time or is it a savings time for you? Like whatever it might be, who knows, but it's really important to begin looking at those, um, because the pentacles are really not about money, not at all, but it is how we as souls in these human bodies live on the earth. <clears throat> money is one part of the exchange, but it's probably out of a hundred things at like 98 out of a hundred. Um, so what we are releasing, what we're clearing and what we're preparing to step into <clears throat> pardon me again. So what we're clearing is page of swords. We're clearing out the student. Essentially, we're clearing out the part of us that's been unsure, afraid, unclear. We have to get to know ourselves in order to let go of that. We have to recognize the growth and the potential that lies within us so that we can embody that. So that's what we're clearing away. The um, fearful, the timid, the not ready, the um, student part. And what we're preparing to step into is Ace of Pentacles in the tower. So what we're preparing for ourselves is, you know, my school of thought, um, my school of thought is that the tower is a great gift and preparing to step into the tower doesn't mean that we're again preparing to step into disaster or like lightning striking our house or anything like that it's really we're preparing for a massive massive clearing december is going to be very powerful anytime we get into december we're ending and completing and finishing up our work in the tarot card of the year. So if there is anything, any stone left unturned, anything we have to do, complete, express, explore, it is going to come up then. And that's great because we don't want to carry it with us into the new year. So very, very strong energy happening here, preparing to step into a space where we are freed from anything superfluous. We are freed from anything that is an illusion. We are free from anything that does not match our soul's highest and best. That is what the tower does. The ego doesn't like it. And we can honor that while acknowledging what the tower actually does, which is that. And Ace of Pentacles in a beautiful match to the tower planting huge seeds of growth and potential while deeply clearing and burning away anything that doesn't serve. And we're preparing to step into that in December and beyond it really, but specifically in December. And, um, in terms of, you know, astrology, obviously I'm not an astrologer, so I'm not going to get into the details, but, um, we have, you know, Neptune goes direct on November 27th. We have a full moon in Sag on November 26th. And on November 12th, we have a beautiful and voluminous full moon um, in Taurus. And, uh, oh wait, new moon in Sag on the 26th. My apologies for that. So there's a lot of... Um, Again, just really delicious energy. Venus goes into Sagittarius tomorrow. Um, Mars enters Scorpio, which is my natal placement. So I'm having a little bit of a Mars return. I'm sure some of you are too on November 19th. Um, there's more, um, of course, than that. But because I'm not an astrologer, I'm not going to go into it. Um, but there's a kind of a simplicity about this month and a quieting down that's happening even astrologically. Um, there's not quite the same level of frenzy of insane placements. And there is a sextile that's coming up that's quite important, but again, not my school of genius. So I'm not going to go into it, but I do think that, um, this month is an opportunity to really create the space to go within ourselves, to get really clear on whatever might be calling us there. Um, if only to know ourselves a little better and to be free, to be free of any trappings, any 
barriers, any bonds, any chains that are holding us back without even us knowing it. And a lot of the time, the place where we really free ourselves is to dive down into the waters, into the magical areas that live within us and reclaim a part of ourselves, what we love, a part of the heart that we may have long, long ago um, been separated from. This is a coming together with a very deep, very Plutonian part of the self. And there's not a thing that we need to be frightened of, not a thing we have to um, worry about, that we have to fear. Um, It's just really about being open to whatever may be coming through to us in this way. So thank you so much for listening. Um, My newsletter goes out in a couple of hours. So if you happen to catch this on the early side of October the 31st, and it's before 11 a.m. Eastern, you can sign up for my mailing list at the link in the show notes. Um, Also, Tarot from the Underworld is uh, Amy and I decided that we're going to keep it open indefinitely. So we're not going to close it today. Um, I'm, we both just feel like there's so many times on the wheel of the year that we're in an underworld journey and you may be in one that has nothing to do with the collective experience. Um, and it's important for the material to be up and available. We feel for as long as people want it. So if you're interested, it's there for you. And if you're not interested or might be one day, it's going to be there (laughs) pretty indefinitely. So, um, you can, purchase that or learn more about that at lindsaymack.com slash tarot for the underworld. Um, and no matter what, just wishing everyone an absolutely beautiful, um, day today, however you observe it or celebrate it or acknowledge it and, um, bowing to everyone with a lot of gratitude for being here. And, um, yeah, I will definitely see you next week. Uh, I was going to do a podcast on retrogrades, and I think I am, but I also might not. (laughs) So we'll see. Um, But you'll definitely catch another episode next week. Very excited to offer it and to share it with you. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger, and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.